Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. But right now we're going to get into the message today. The message um, printed out kind of huge, so praise God you will have that. But um, let's say a prayer and then we'll read that verse that's on the screen right there and try to figure out um, what we got going on. But Father God, I thank you for the privilege of just being here. Thank you for for being with me. Thank you for never forsaking me. Thank you for the privilege to speak your word to your people. Just like that verse on the screen says, this is your church, it's not mine. This is not Chris's church. And Jesus, you said you'd build it. So I expect you to do what you said. Build it today. Use my words Use what I say to honor you and to work in your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this is the second year, second year anniversary of Lakeside Church, and praise God. And it has not been easy, but it's been fun. We've met a lot of great people, a couple people not so great, but the majority of people have been really awesome. So I praise God for that, because if you look at the percentages, I mean, it's 98, 99% of just really, no, I'm just kidding. Or am I? But anyway, so we, we moved here. We didn't know anybody. For those of you guys who don't know, we're going to catch you up on the story a little bit and kind of answer the question is, why well, start Lakeside Church? I'm from Miami, Florida. My beautiful wife, come over here, dear. I'm going to put you on, on. She's the one you can get your tax paper from later if you don't know. We, she's from the Bronx. I'm from Miami. We met at um, 17 years old, and then we were married by 18. That's crazy, right? And then by 19, we were youth pastors in a church. And um, so we have just kind of always been serving God. I got saved, what you would call like a radical, a radical salvation. I went from being like completely anti against God. You know how some people are apathetic to God? There's a difference between being against God and being apathetic. See, a lot of people in the church are um, apathetic. And that's not good. But I was outside of the church, and I thought church was terrible. I hated going to church. I thought going to church was the worst experience that I've ever had. Because when I grew up going to church, it seemed like people just pointed all the things that were wrong with me and made me feel like a piece of garbage. And I was like, well, I am kind of a piece of garbage. So if I'm going to be a piece of garbage, I might as well be a big piece of garbage. So I went out into the world at a very young age, and I went full on into the world. You know how some people, like, they don't want to sin, like, they really try hard not to sin, and so, but they keep making mistakes, but they really don't want to sin? When I went into the world, I was like, let's do this. Let's be, the, and this is not good, I'm just telling you where I was, let's be the worst possible person. If there's a way to make sin bigger, let's go for that. In fact, let's just shut God out, and let's just say God doesn't exist. And when people talked to me about God, I was pretty darn good at arguing with them and telling them why I thought they were fools and why I didn't think there was a God. Because I wasn't dumb. I started college at 16. I wasn't dumb. I was wild but not dumb. And I would argue with Christians and make them feel stupid and ask them questions that they couldn't answer. I felt good about myself. Well, God got a hold of me. My mom never stopped praying for me. My mom became a Christian. She didn't know anything else but trusted in God. And she saw me going off the deep end, and and all she could do was pray. And so she began to pray for me and pray for me. And, and, And 
little by little, kind of my, my, the kingdom I had built started to fall apart. So I come to Christ. I have this kind of Damascus road or this experience where I realize I can't, like, I can't live life my own way. Like, nobody led me to Christ. I was just at my house. I was on some very strong recreational pharmaceuticals, different combinations of recreational pharmaceuticals. And I came to my mom, and I realized that the next step for me was going away to rehab. Like, that was the next step, because I couldn't stop what I was doing. I was completely hooked and in this lifestyle. And I said, Mom, i got to get right with God. And so she's like, well, yeah. So I grabbed a Bible, and I said, well, how do you get right with God? You read the Bible, right? And I grabbed the Bible, I opened the Bible up, and it was like reading a phone book. Have you ever read the Bible, and it's like the phone book? It's just like, ugh. I mean, I know it's a God's word, but I don't see it here. I don't feel it. And I said, what I need to do is not read the Bible right now. I need to talk to my heavenly father. And so I got down on my knees and I said, well, when you pray, shouldn't you get down on your knees? I mean, it makes sense. You're talking to God. I got down on my knees and I tried to pray and I was like, you can't pray. Who are you to talk to God? And the words wouldn't come out. It was like praying to a phone book. So then I just got down on my face right there on my mom's floor. She had a tile floor in her bedroom in Florida. And I prayed, and I couldn't find the words, but as I stumbled in trying to talk to God, what came out of my mouth is, God, I've left you, but you've never left me. Forgive me. And in that instant... It's like everything changed. Like the light switch went on. I literally began to sober up. I began to just feel God's love. And I said, this is so real. How could I not tell everyone in the world about the reality of the God we serve? Like at that moment, I knew I had to give my life to telling people about Jesus Christ. So I got up off the floor. It was a wild road. A lot of friends thought I lost my mind. People thought I was crazy. I told everybody about Jesus because I knew I had to give my life. This was so real. Friends walked away from me. You know how people say, separate yourself from bad friends. There'll be bad influences. I went into the darkest of hell holes that I knew. And I was like, hey, guys, remember me? They're like, what's up, Chris? And I was like, guess what? Everything we're doing here is completely wrong. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, don't you know Jesus is real? They're like, shut up, Chris. I didn't have to separate myself from my friends. They separated themselves from me. I might have done some things a little bit wrong in my zeal and in my passion, and I wasn't trying to put them down, but I told every single person I could about Jesus. And that was the call on my life. The next thing I knew, I said, I got to go to church. Like, I had not had good experiences in church, but I said, well, if I believe in this God thing, then I better go to church. And I found a church that I had kind of thought was interesting to try out. I walked into it for the first time. And it was the only time in church as I sat there in the worship, and I mean, this church had a huge band. They had like um, drums and conga players. It was in Miami and horn section and, and all kinds of guitars and multiple keyboards and singers. And, and like, it was, it was huge. 
But I didn't see that at all. I sat like in the middle of the church, and I sat like in kind of like an area like this, and I'm going to like here. And as I sat there, I heard everybody around me. And what was different was it was like everybody around me is singing to God. This is not some kind of ritual thing. Like they're talking to God. And I felt God's presence and God's love like I've never felt before. And you couldn't keep me out of that church. I showed up at all hours of the time. I, I made them crazy. One time they preached a message about how we need to serve God. Like, this is how literal it was. It like, we need to serve God. Jesus says that we should serve people. We should serve God. It's good to help out in church. They preach that on Sunday, Monday morning, 8 a.m. I show up in the church office. I'm like, good morning. You talked about serving God. Here I am. I'm off for summer. I don't have any classes. How can I help? And they're like, uh, uh, um, there's some weeds under the bushes. I was like, I got it. Walked out there. Picked weeds all day. Dirty, sweaty, slimy. Came back. I said, what's next? Well, you can clean this. Clean that. What's next? We need to chip up that concrete. Sounds good. Give me a hammer. Anything that they could do. What, what do you need? I'm here to help. They couldn't get rid of me. Um, I think they made me the youth pastor because I just kept pulling all the youth together. You didn't have to tell me what to do with youth. If a young person walked into that church, I was like, yo, 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 what you doing today? I don't know nothing. I was like, you want to come to my house for nachos? They're like, I like nachos. I was like, I got a van. Get in. I load up the van. We go eat nachos. Nachos were about done. All of a sudden, I pulled out the Bible. I was like, guess what? Let me tell you something. And we sat there, and we read the scriptures, and we talked about it. We did this, and we would pray. In fact, that's how, I, that's how I met my wife and her brother. It was nachos in the Bible. Yeah, nacho libre, right? Nacho libre, nachos and freedom. That's what that means. <laughs> and within that thing, we wound up moving all around the country, and we wound up working at different churches, and, and I always served in churches. And one time I heard something, because I just want to see people get saved. I want to see people find Christ. I saw a statistic which said that a new church is the most effective way to reach people, that there is no more effective way to reach people than starting a church. And I thought, Lord, if that's the most effective way, if you will allow me to do that, if you will show me where it needs to be and put it in place, then fine, that's what I will do. And we moved um, from Missouri to Virginia. Um, I'm sorry, we moved from Miami to Virginia. I went to school out there. From Virginia to Missouri, helping a friend start a church. The pastor that I had known that had started this church, I went out there. Same thing, what do you need me to do? I served. In fact, it's this man's dad over here, the guy that was helping in worship. Come over here, Zach. Isn't this a good-looking young man? <laughs> I've known him since he was seven years old or eight years old. He knew me right when I got saved and probably thought I was crazy because I was all in for Christ. <laughs> He's also crazy. But we lived out there in Missouri. And I said, God, I feel like you want us to start a church. I feel like we're supposed to start a church. I feel like it's the best, most effective way to reach people. But I don't know where to do this church thing. Like, I have no city that I want to go. I Please, God, don't send me to Miami. I don't want to go to Miami. God, I don't want to go to New York. I'll go there under protest. We looked at all kinds of options. We even had an offer to go to like Bangladesh, right? Or Bangladesh. And it was like, they were like, yeah, you can come here. But if you, uh, 
get hurt, we have to airlift you a couple hours over to the hospital. And I was like, hmm, not really sure that's the Lord. But if it was the Lord, I would have gone. And so we prayed and we said, God, where, if we're supposed to start a church, if starting a church is the most effective way to reach people, where are we supposed to go? And God spoke this state to us. We felt very clearly that God spoke South Carolina to us. So our first reaction was, Charleston. Charleston's cool. We wanted to go to Charleston. No offense to Lexington, but we had been to Charleston. Charleston looked pretty awesome. So we were thinking about Charleston, and we took out, we had made a list of everything we wanted to see in a city. And I can't remember all 12 or so things, but my wife and I sat at a table, and it was, one of them was like a college, one of them was like a military base, one of them was like we wanted it to be about this size of a city where it wasn't too big, but like not super small. And there was like 12 things that we wrote down. And we looked at the map of South Carolina because we're like, God, you said South Carolina. Here's the list that we made. And we looked at Charleston. It didn't line up. Then we looked at Columbia and Lexington, this big area that we never knew anything about. And I'm like, God, I think that's it. Talked to a few people, and we were like, that's it. We had never even been here. And we said, all right. So we took a trip out here, Jonathan, Jesse, and I, and some more friends. And we, we literally landed, and we scouted out the land. We're like, we thought we were going to the heart of Columbia. Like, I want to be where all the messed up problems are. Nothing against Columbia, but there's some messed up stuff over there, some really hard areas. And so we wanted to be there. But when we looked for a rental house and we looked for some hotel rooms, like we had a big group coming. I got a ton of kids and, you know, everybody's busy. So the only place we could find was by this stupid lake over here in Lexington. And we're like, all right, fine. We'll land by this lake and we'll go and we'll travel down over there and we'll check it out. And we landed in this lake and we're like, all right, this area is pretty cool. But we kept trying to get to Columbia. We kept trying to get to Columbia. During that time, we had met these couple, this couple over here. The way I met this couple over here were the first people I ever met in this area. We had gone to a friend that we knew in Augusta. And we went to go talk to the pastor. And the pastor, you know, after church, everybody tries to talk to the pastor. So there's a line of people trying to talk to the pastor. And I'm like, hey, finally it's my turn. There was this couple that just kept getting prayer, and it took forever, and I was like, come on, guys, hurry up. <laughs> and so finally, they're done, and I walk up to the pastor. I'm like, hey, my name's Chris. I'm that guy that wants to start the church over there in, in the Lexington, Columbia area. And he goes, hey, these guys were just praying for a church over there. You need to meet them. And we met, and we started talking online and Skyping and praying, and when we visited this area, we met them. Long and short of it is, God made the way. I knew I needed a job, and I knew I needed to sell the house. That was my prayer, that we would actually have a contract on the house. Got the job. That was a blessing. Got two job offers in one day. One was six figures. One wasn't. The six-figure job, the last thing they said to me is, we want you to come. Here's the contract. Only three stipulations. Watch your language. Hire good people. And don't start a church. So Chris immediately said, I could watch my language, I could hire good people, and Emmer can start the church. <laughs> I'm just helping my wife. But God, no, God didn't have me go that way. So I had to start the job, and we're moving, and I had prayed, and I said, God, 
I feel like you've called us to this area. We're moving to this area. The one thing I prayed is that there would be a contract on my house before we left, and this house has not sold. The day we left, we're we're loading the truck up. It's in the rain, and we have to go because I have to start work, and there's not a contract. And I'm saying, God, like, I'm doing this for you. I've prayed that there would be a contract. We're loading the truck. Some older gentleman comes up and he sticks his face in between the garage and the trailer. He's like, y'all still selling? That's how they talk in Missouri. Y'all still selling? And I said, "Um, yes, we are. Can I see it? I was like, sure, come in. I tell my wife, I said, somebody wants to see the house. She's like, no! It's a mess. It looks disgusting. There's pizza boxes and kids running around. And if you ever moved, you know how that is. He walked in the door. He looked outside. He saw the porch. He said, I think my wife wants to read her Bible out on that porch. I said, well, she can. (laughs) We signed the contract the next morning right before we left. We moved here to Lexington to start this church. Eventually, God let us be very clear that even though we wanted to be downtown Columbia, that this is where the church was supposed to be, that we could make an impact over there if we landed here and God brought a group of people together. And we've been supporting Club 180 Ministries over there that is making a difference. And we will do more things in some areas that have a high need. We have a group of people that go every week to support some kids in need. So why start a church? I'm going to go through it very quick. I'm going to try to talk about what we're going to do, and I'm going to knock it out, and you're going to understand. Number one is that Jesus said, I will build my church. I want you to see that. I will build my church. And I love Jesus. I want to be involved in what Jesus is doing. If you want to be involved with Jesus, do what he does. Get involved where he is. He said, I will build my church. Like, that's what he is actively trying to do because the church is the hope of the world. It's through the church that a lot of things happen. And I know, like my dad, I love my dad, but when I go hang out with my dad, I better want to go out and start working on a car because my dad likes to work on cars. My dad likes to fix things. My dad likes to get things done. So if I want to spend time with my father, I go do what he does. And I get to know him. And if you want to know Jesus better, you get involved with what he is. And he said, I will build my church. And so what are we trying to accomplish here at Lakeside Church? There's going to be um, four things, and you have them on your paper. Number one, we want you to fall. We want every person in this area to fall in love with Jesus. I really, that's our number one goal. Right here, John 14, 21, it says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. But look what's in yellow. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest or make myself real to him. Do you want Jesus to be real to you, or do you want him to be like a bunch of fairy tales in a book? you got to fall in love with him. Like, you got to. Like, is that who you are? Is that who I am? Do you think about Jesus and your heart just is like, that's it. I love him more than anything else. Do you love Jesus? Is he your number one and only? If my wife and I got married... We could get married, but I could still not love her. The relationship would be messed up. I have to love my wife. 
It's not just about the event where you become Mary. It's not just about starting to follow Jesus. It's about loving Jesus. The other thing is if I love my wife and she's only natural, I cannot love somebody else. Amen. Amen. It is not going to work out very well that I'm like, I have my wife, but then I also have this other person. A boo. Is that what it's called? A boo. That's what she said. She's from the Bronx, so that's what they say in the Bronx. So I can't have my wife on Saturday and Sunday, but during the week, I have this other person. I can't have my wife and this other person in my house. Can you imagine the awkwardness of you go, and, and in our house, the way it works, all the kids are asleep, and then I go, and finally, like, everybody's down, and it's just us, and we're going to watch some TV and hang out and talk, and I sit down, and I put my arm here, and then I put my arm here. She would kill me. Why are we doing Jesus like that? Why are we doing that? Why do we think that we can love God, but then love everything else, and he's okay with it? Why do we love this world? Why do we love green paper more than we love Jesus? Why do we love having fun more than we love Jesus? Why do we love anything more than we love Jesus? And I don't think that's how it is in this church for everybody, but I think that's just a national and international and worldwide problem, is that we need to learn to fall in love with Jesus. I want you to know him. Number two is I want you to find a church family. I think that's important. I want you to find a church family. Why find a church family? Why do we need a church? Can't we just love Jesus? Isn't that just enough? Well, no, because Jesus said, I will build my church. That word church means assembly which means a group of people. Jesus is actively building a group of people that come together and love each other. So right here, Jonathan, I'm going to put you on the spot. You do enough, but you're going to do a little more. So come over here. We got to do this quick. If you love Jesus, hold that up and just keep it there. You'll be all right. If you love Jesus, you're on the board. That's good. The next step is finding a church family. Finding a place where you can love others. Because when you get in a church family, what happens is, is that you start to find people who are much different than you. And you get an opportunity to show the love of Christ. And when you get in a church family, you get an opportunity to do what Jesus does. There's a verse on there. It's in James chapter 5. It says, is anybody suffering? In this room, I'm sure there are people that are suffering. No matter what it is, life makes you suffer. Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? In this room, there are people that are cheerful. God has been good and there is something to celebrate. Not everyone is suffering. Some people have some stuff to celebrate. Let him sing praise. Is anybody sick? Let him call for the hospital at Lexington Medical Center and make sure they get an appointment and then they deal with insurance. So they can get a medicine that may not work and might give you, like, other conditions. Now, I'm not saying anything bad about the hospital. I've been going to the hospital for my back. I've been in physical therapy. I'm not anti-medicine. But that's not what the Scripture says. It says, let them call for the elders of the church. 
and let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so it goes on to say the prayer of faith will save the sick. The church is here to be a place of healing. The church is here where you can come and you can love somebody and you can feel connected and you can have no judgment and you can come in with whatever you got. Are you suffering? You're welcome. Come on in. We'll love on you and we'll be there for you. Do you have something to praise God about? Well, let's do it. Praise God. We're happy for you. Yes, Lord. Do you need prayer? Well, here's where you get it. Because there's something powerful in the church. See, the church is the body of Christ. And if you are separated from the church, it's not good. I can't do this example because I don't have the medical technology. But if I could chop off my arm, you would see my arm lay there. It would still be part of my body, but it's of no use to me. It's just flopping around. And pretty soon it would die. And believers that are disconnected from the body of Christ, whether it's Lakeside or anybody, but if you're disconnected from the body of Christ, you just wither. You die. And you're no good to what Jesus is doing on this earth. So some of y'all love Jesus. Yes, you're on the board. We celebrate that. It's better to love Jesus than hate Jesus. But now find a church body. And if you'd got to celebrate with somebody, if you got to Comfort somebody who's suffering. If you got to pray with somebody who's sick, be the church. Receive from the church and be the church. Because sometimes you're the one that needs prayer, and sometimes you're the one that prays. Sometimes you're the one praising, and sometimes you're the one mourning. But that's what the churches do. So move a little closer to the goal. The next thing you got to do is number three is why we're doing Lakeside Church is we want you to live in freedom. We want you to be free. What does that mean? Not bound to everything. Living life the way God designed it in joy. That if you've had something terrible in your past happen, that yes, you might have a scar, but you will be healed. That Christ will work in your heart. We think that happens in the church. It can happen with outside counseling and medical stuff and all kinds of other things, too. It's not like that's bad. But we think being a part of a church and learning how to get free, learning how to get your stuff dealt with. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, now where the Lord is, it says, now the Lord is the Spirit. Where is Jesus? Jesus is building his church. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, where is Jesus? Jesus is building his church. There is freedom. And we all with unveiled face are beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Jesus is building the church. You fall in love with Jesus. You find a church family. You let God shape you and you help shape others. And you begin to walk in freedom. We've got too many people that are bound up. Church is a safe place. It's like Vegas without the sin. What goes on here stays here. All right, but we're not gambling and there's not all that other stuff. Okay, sorry. But you can come here and you can allow God to, to talk. Now, you don't got to come up to the microphone and share your stuff. But if you've got something to praise God about, you should have a friend that will praise with you. If you've got something that you're suffering with, you should have a friend that will suffer with you. If you've got something to rejoice in and so forth, to where you can get some freedom. But you can't talk about stuff with people you don't know 
and people you don't trust. It takes a while to get there. It takes a while to get there. The very fourth thing that's on our list is I want you to make a difference. I want to make a difference. The reality is, is even though I think I'm important at work, I do. I have a job where I have some technical skills that not everybody has. And even though I think I'm important at work, the reality is if I died today, by next Monday, they'd have somebody else doing it. Even though you think you're important in your family, the reality is if you passed away today, life would go on. Life would go, this, this is the weirdest thing about this world is our lives are but a vapor. And know how important we think we are? Eventually, it's all gone. Very few of us will ever be remembered by anybody. And that's not to, like, put you down or make you sad. But what happens here on this earth passes away. But the things you do for the life to come, they will remain. The lives you touch the people you bring to Christ, the brothers who have fallen that, that you've lifted up and you said, man, you've messed up and that was really wrong, but guess what? I've messed up too. Come on, I'm not going to leave you here. Come on, brother, I'm not going to leave you here because you're being the church. Your bank account, when you die, no matter how much money you have in it, you don't take a cent. And somebody else gets to spend it. Put my name on your paperwork if you can, all right? I'm just kidding. All right, put it on whoever deserves it and families give it away. I don't care what you do with it. But the point is, is like, some people get offended by that. So I'll be clear. I'm just joking. But the point is, is that this verse says, for grace you're saved through faith and it's not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. It's not of work so that no one can boast. For we, God's church, the body of Christ, are his workmanship, created in Jesus for good works. And when you do something that's of eternal value, as you build a church, as you build a place of healing, as you build a place of celebration, those are the good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk on them. So the way I see it is kind of like I was going to put a line. I was like, you know what, this is a linear thing. Like you need to love Jesus, you need to find a family, you need to get free, you need to make a difference. But I thought it's more like a target because you never stop living, loving Jesus. If you do, you messed up. You could be thinking you're making a difference and you're not if you're not loving Jesus. If you're not really involved in your church family, not doesn't mean you got to be here every day at the time the door is open, but you better be an active participant in the life of a Christian family. And you better get free. Don't let addiction, drug abuse, past hurts, materialism, Anger, unforgiveness, sexual addiction, alcoholism, anything keep you from God's best. God does not want you to live in bondage. And you got to work through the church and probably sometimes some outside stuff. But let's get free. Not perfect, but free. It's not that we were never hurt, but healed. And when you finally get through that point, then you could start to do something that matters. Because heaven will be here faster than we know it. When I got down on my face, I told you this, I got down on my face and I prayed to the Lord, 
when I felt like God came near to me, I can tell you, think I'm crazy. I don't care. I, right here in the corner of my eye, it was like I saw a line of people, white, black, young, old, all different races, all different nationalities, and it was like they were going into the glory of God, like this door kind of thing that was just white. And that was the thing I said. I was like, God, I want my life to matter. Like, wouldn't it be cool if there's one person out there that, like, wouldn't be in heaven without you? Have you reached one? I want to reach a whole bunch. But wouldn't you like to sit there, and it's not like you're bragging, but you're like, you hear the well done, and you finally take that breath in heaven, and you can finally relax because all the stress of the world is gone, and you sit there before your Father in heaven. He's like, good job. I want the good job. I want to strive for that which matters. So that's what we're doing here. We want you to love Christ, find a family, live in freedom, and make a difference. If that's not for you, it's okay. But like that's what I'm doing and that's what we're working towards. Right now we're gonna we're gonna shift Jonathan. Everybody give Jonathan a hand. You have made a difference today, brother. The Lord will remember that. No, but um, would you just bow your heads just for a second? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mix this up. I'm going to invite my friend Zach to come up, and the worship team can come too, but you guys get up there, but, but flow with me. I want Zach just to play a little something, whatever the Lord puts on his heart. And would you just bow your heads, and would you just reflect on where you are in that process? Maybe your love for the Lord has grown cold. I don't know. Man, it can't grow cold. You can't live in a loveless relationship with Jesus. It'll kill you. And the way you love God, this is what the Bible says, is is we loved him because he first loved us. He died for us while we were sinners. Here's the good news of the gospel. Nothing in your past matters. It was taken care of on the cross. Everything before this moment, by faith in Jesus you can let go of. Every sin, every hurt, it can be taken care of, and all that can be left is the love of God in Christ. By faith. You can have a new beginning right now in your walk with God. It's for you. And if you don't have a church family, we would love for you to consider Lakeside. Hopefully that you'll find out that we're not perfect, but we do try to love people. And if you're in this body and you're not free, please allow the Lord to help you. Allow the Lord to help you through His church the way He designed. Because He is in the church and where He is, there is freedom. And if you want to make a difference, we invite you at Lakeside Church to join and to, to put, your, put your feet to the ground and try your best. I think that's all Jesus is asking for, is that you try your best. I just want to give those people a chance right now. I feel, I feel this in my spirit. Prayer teams, would you come up, please? I need people that will pray with people and love on people. But I feel in my spirit and I feel in my heart that there's people here that you need to start a fresh start with Jesus. 
There is no condemnation. Hey, I've needed fresh starts three or four times this week. We always need fresh starts. But there's some people here, and I mean that. I've had to come to God three or four times this week and say, God, I need you. Help me. If you need a fresh start right now, and if you just want somebody to pray for you and you say, you know what, I want, I want a fresh start in my walk with God. I want to just put the past behind me. I want to just start anew. I invite you to come as the music plays and to allow somebody to pray with you. The rest of y'all keep your eyes closed. This is their time. But I invite you now to come. And there's some people that need to come. I feel it in my heart. That God would just give you a fresh start. That all that you've been struggling with, He wants to help you with. And He's designed the church. And He's put you here today to make a difference in your life. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>